You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Nate, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Really good to have you on the program today. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate being on today. I'm excited to to share. You shared with me the other day what happened as a major shift in your life that occurred in September of 2018. Before we go there, though, share a little bit about yourself and who the heck Nate is. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, I'm a, I'm a husband, been married uh, 15 years with my amazing wife, Lindsay. Next, I'd say I'm a dad, four kids. Oldest is eight, next one's seven. I uh, have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, so life is full and good. My quiver is is almost full, not quite yet, and we're blessed. We're blessed as a family. But you know, my background is I work in kind of the investment community, do some stuff with private equity. Also, I uh, have some some businesses which kind of help launch and get off the ground. But my dad actually was a was a pastor by vocational, and so I've always been around church. I've always been around faith. It's always been something that's been there, but. I've had a couple of experiences through my life where that's really became my own and not, you know, something that I just was growing up in. And it was really interesting because even early on having conversations, you know, the pastor's son, and there's always these questions of like, hey, are you going to follow your dad in the ministry? And even from like a little kid, I remember like feeling called to business and I didn't really know what that looked like. I just knew that business was the lane I was supposed to run in and It's really interesting because even as a nine-year-old kid, I can remember, you know, our family had moved from New York to Florida and that it was myself and three other kids and my parents. And my dad was bivocational and he went from full-time pastoring to church planting. And in that move, took a pay cut of half of his salary. And this was an IDs. And I remember family of six, I think he made $19,000 a year. And so there's this period of time where you know, God always provided, but like groceries would show up on our door. And I could, you know, remember being there around nine or 10 years old and I'm playing baseball and I'm sitting at the baseball field with one vehicle. So I'm waiting for my parents to pick me up. And I could just remember sitting there and I just remember like having this desire, like I want to make money. And it wasn't so much, so I want to make money. So I have material things like, yeah, it was a part of it. You, know, you want to be able to to provide. But the other part was I want to be able to, to provide for others and not just say, I'm going to pray for you. But also let me provide for some of the needs that you have while I pray for you. And, you know, honestly, like I really, really wrestled with that, that desire to make money. But now looking back, I'm like, man, Lord, you placed these desires in my heart through circumstances. And, you know, it's taken a long time to figure out what does that look like? But I really had to wrestle with that kind of desire to make money for a long time. Because I don't really feel like you have a lot of good guidance within a most faith communities as far as what does that look like? And sometimes there's even kind of shame put on that from culture as far as just desires to to make money. Were there any other desires that you felt around that? It was always to be able to to provide, again, coming from a larger family, like we're, we were not ever well off, but I just felt a responsibility to be able to guide and shepherd, mm-hmm. not just myself, but also extended family members. And it's interesting, I get into the field I get into because that's what I do for clients as well. And I stumbled into it just out of a desire really to better equip and understand for myself. But there's always been this desire to be able to help and equip others, both with knowledge, but also in a very practical financial way, if that makes sense. You said you stumbled into it. How did you get into this area of work? 
so growing up, we, we were taught some basic things about money and give, save, spend, but we were never really taught about investing or any of that sort of stuff. And so I think it was in college, I just started taking an interest in kind of personal finance. I wanted to explore a little further around that. And so got some material and uh, started putting some of it in practice just as far as your personal daily routines with money and started to see like my life change. And then it was cool from there because I started to introduce it to other family members and just saw the impact that it started to have when people put some very, very practical advice around money. I feel like we spent all this time educating people in kindergarten through 12th grade, but something as simple as like, how do you spend your money? What percentages should go where? Like none of that is taught. And mm-hmm. so I had to learn all that kind of from myself and then helping others. There's just really a joy that came from that. And then when I ended up meeting my wife, we met in college. Um, her dad actually had a background in this as well. And so it's like that desire that got put in me, like, hey, here's a practical outlet as far as what that looks like. And so there was some guidance as far as here's what it could look like. Here's some different career paths just from, from my father-in-law is kind of how I, how I stumble in it. And 15 years down the road and still loving it and it's grown and morphed. But yeah, it's been a, a great journey. And something dramatic happened to you in September of 2018 that made you feel as though your hands had been tied behind your back. But then all of a sudden you had both hands available and some pretty incredible things started to happen in your business. Explain what happened, please. Yeah. So September 2018, I was probably two years into a journey of feeling called in something different career-wise, not a different field, but just a pivot from where I was at at the time. I was at a Fortune 500 company. And I knew it was a season and I was just sensing that season was ending. Mm -hmm. And so uh, September 2018, I really started connecting with people in my life that kind of I respected and said, hey, I've got different paths moving forward, trying to get counsel as far as what's the right thing to, to do or kind of pros and cons. And I actually got connected with someone out of New York who's now become a great friend and mentor. And just through the process, he shared about a conference that he had attended in 2014. And his comment to me was, Nate, this was a, a life-changing moment for me. He's like, it changed a lot of stuff around identity. And he also said it was a rocket ship for my career. And so I'm like, okay, interesting. And he said, actually, they're doing another one three weeks from now in Northern California. And he said, I'm going to be speaking at it. And so I said, okay, wow. Oh, by the way. <laughs> hey, by the way, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I can remember in that moment, I was like, okay, three weeks, California, like that's really far. I live in Florida. What does this look like? And I remember checking my calendar and my calendar was open. And so I was like, okay, well, it's open. I need to have this conversation with my wife now. And at that time, I think we had 2018, maybe three, three and four. So I'm always sensitive if dad leaves for three or four days and sure. mom carries all the weight for everything. So I remember having the conversation with my wife and saying, I mean, what would this look like if I spent a couple of days in California? And she was on board as well. And so I ended up flying out there, attended a heaven and business conference. And it was really interesting because I went out there. I was like, I'm going to get all these strategies, make all these connections, and it's going to be a great opportunity to network. And it was that. But really, that whole conference for me, God just lasered me on identity. Mm. And who am I as a son? And what do I have access to? Because my dad owns it all. He you know, created the world. He's got strategic guidance. Like there's nothing that surprises him. And so really for me, it was just around like, again, what you said up to that point, I had not been leaning into my identity. You know, my faith was active. My faith was real. I would pray, you know, for guidance. But a lot of times I feel like I would get that direction. And then I would say, I got this and I run ahead. And so a lot of that journey was for me, 
understanding who I am as a son and this idea of co-laboring that God and I get to build this together kind of hand in hand, step by step, as opposed to me asking him for guidance and then going and doing it on my own. So it was just such a major shift for me. Mm. And I remember going out there and one of the questions that I was asking is like, what's the right thing to do? And I remember Andy Mason, I had a conversation with him out there and I said, Andy, I've got these two career paths. I'm trying to figure out what's the best decision. Like, what am I supposed to do? And I remember Andy stopping and just asking me the question only how he can. And he said, Nate, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> no, no, it's not the question I asked. I said, what am I supposed to do? I, I'm not asking what I want to do. That wasn't the question. And, and it's been such a journey for me over these last three years of having freedom to explore. You know, Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And for so long, that verse for me was like, the magic genie, like, hey, I just got to pray to God and then rub the magic lamp and ask him for things that I want. He's going to give them to me. And I remember I had this whole new revelation around this verse. And literally I had this image of me lying on a table, open heart surgery. And I saw like the hand of God reaching into my chest and putting things there. Mm. And I just had this whole new context of what that looks like. As I delight myself in him, as I focus on his presence, he's going to literally reach from heaven and put those desires in my heart. And so the freedom that I've now found is that those desires are there. Those are God-given desires. And I have freedom to explore, to pursue those. And I just have the belief that if I get off path, he's a good father. He's going to redirect me. But that's been uh, a journey for me because up to that point, I was always, I didn't say paralyzed, but you know, I always say like, hey, I want to do the right thing. What is the right thing? And a lot of times that leads to inaction just because of that lack of stepping into faith. It sounds like what opened up to you is instead of a one degree of this is the answer, I need to have a answer. It's like God just mm -hmm. gave you a 360 degree turret. You can spin around mm -hmm. and you can say, I want to do that. And the Lord's like, let's go. Let's do it then. Yep. Yep. So that's the freedom you've been experiencing, huh? Yeah, 100%. I think there's so much truth. And again, even part of my personal journey three years ago into now, it was probably another two and a half years before I made a shift and made a switch. And there was a lot of things that kind of came up and there was a lot of opportunities that looked good on paper that I just didn't have peace around and turned down. It was really interesting because there was one that I, I really, really was excited about. And we were, we were getting ready for a potential relocation. And the time just had never lined up. And it was a pause on our end because we were having another child. It was a pause on the company's end because they're expanding internationally. And I remember through this process, finally, like there was a release. And I got a call from one of the owners and he said, Nate, we're ready to go. We want to relocate your family. And at that time, got to open up another door. And I was literally in Hawaii with another group when that call came through. I paused and stopped. I was like, all right, Lord, like, again, guide my steps. What am I supposed to do? And I, I really felt like back to what you said around that 360 degree view that God would have blessed either one of those. Hmm. That I had two opportunities that were great. Both of them would have been in as well. And I had the freedom to choose which one. And it was really interesting because this door that I'd been waiting two and a half years for it to open, it finally opened. And then I looked at things and I said, you know what, actually some things have changed. I felt the freedom to close that door and said, no, here's something else. But I really felt like the Lord said like, hey, I will be with you in either of those. And that's part of the journey for me is just like, hey, let's go do something together. And the analogy I give is like, you hang out with your friend. It doesn't really matter what you do. You just say like, let's go and do it together. You know, now there's <laughs> something you're not going to go do, but it's really about just the journey and spending time together. And like my relationship with the Lord, I feel like I've been 
exposed to that side. It was like, Hey son, you know what? I put these passions in your heart. What do you want to pursue? And I'll be with you in that. And there's freedom to step, as you said, into any work mm-hmm. for a 360 degree view. Have you heard of the book by Alan Arnold called the story of with? I have not. I need to check it out. The words you're using are exactly the same words he uses in the book. It's a powerful allegory about doing life with the father. I love it. So as you had this identity transition, Nate, what were some of the stumbling blocks and challenges that you had to overcome in finally recognizing who you really were, which led you to the freedom you're experiencing now? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And I could, I can remember at the start of this process, you know, my, my nature by what I do and who I am is I'm a planner. I mean, I'm, I'm literally like a certified financial planner. I went through like five years of a professional training to, to get this. And so my natural default is I need to know what it looks like five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Yeah. Plan A, B, C, <laughs> and D. And so part of this journey for me, I remember when I started leading into identity and I really wanted to know how the story ended. And, you know, if I go here, like, what does it look like five, 10, 15 years down the road? And I can remember early on in that journey, just wrestling through that, having issues sleeping and just, just my mind spinning to this process where it took two and a half years through this process to get to where I was released and stepped to just a deep, deep trust of knowing like that God is good, that Mm -hmm. he's got me that I don't need to know what six months, 12 months, a year, or two years looks like, that if he's leading, he's guiding, he's going to provide. And and not just a belief in that, but a track record of seeing that happen. And so it's been just this journey of being transformed. And even in the business I launched in the last five months, it looks very different than what I thought it would have looked like. But man, God, it's so good. And it's been so amazing. And you know, God, a lot of times speaks to me just through circumstances and and, and pictures. And I had this, this uh, recent uh, episode where there's a local car wash bias. And so you know, part of like, Hey, let's get out of the house. I took two of my kids there and my two-year-old, I think it was my oldest, my eight-year-old decided to come with me. And so we're, we're in the car wash, we're going through the tunnel. And I've learned a little bit about fear that you're born with two fears and everything else is learned. But two of the fears that kids are born with is the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. And so the car wash starts going and, you know, starts beating on the car. And like my two-year-old is just very, very upset. So I'd say, okay, buddy, we're on a track. We're being pulled through this automatically. Let me pull you up with me. And so he's sitting in my lap and I hold him. I've got my arms wrapped around him. And like his leg is just like shake because he's so fearful and he's looking outside. And then like I place my hand in his chest and I feel his heart just beating so fast. And immediately, like I feel horrible to dad. I'm like, man. What a father failed to take your kid through this where he's just <laughs> encountering all this fear. But, you know, I'm, I'm got him wrapped in my arms and I'm holding him like, buddy, it's okay. It's okay. Like daddy's not going to let anything, anything hurt you. And I felt like maybe a day later, the Holy Spirit whispered to me and I was like, how many times are you just like your son where you're literally sitting in your father's lap? He's got his arms wrapped around you. He's got everything under control but you're focusing on the circumstances that are outside. You're letting fear drive you. And so it's just been this journey of just trust in his goodness and who he is and that he's got everything under control and that I can just rest in that. Sounds so good. One of the miracles to me as I'm listening to your story, Nate, is what you stated earlier. You spent five years becoming a certified financial planner. It's in your designation. You're a planner. And the ability to open your palms up and to be calm and peaceful about where you're going 
is like the antithesis of who you used to be, isn't it? It is. And I feel like I've had to unlearn so many things around my trading. And even when it comes to investments, I feel like three to four years for me has been around stewarding of investment dollars. And like up to that point, I never even really thought of it. I thought of like stewardship of time and stewardship of giving, but investment dollars was this whole new thing for me. And I remember when that first started, Holy Spirit first started speaking to me around this. And I ended up unlearning a lot of my training because my training says you maximize return, you minimize volatility, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I remember Holy Spirit kind of asking me and saying, let's look at this from an eternal perspective. And it it came with a a business opportunity, essentially, to put some money behind a friend of mine's company that was starting. And I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me this question, like, if you never earn a dollar return from this, is it a good investment? Is it good stewardship for these investment dollars? And again, my training would have said, absolutely not. If you put money in an investment and there's not a dollar that's earned, like that's a horrible investment. Yeah. But it felt like the Holy Spirit shifted my lens and said, like, let's look at it in terms of, of eternity. And once I did that and said, okay, well, I'm going to help a company get off the ground where I know the people of faith, mm-hmm. like they're going to be blessed. They're going to pour in employee lives who they have a heart for, for kids coming out of the foster system. I know customers, I know clients are going to get impacted with the gospel. And so if I shift even eternity for one person, that is good stewardship for that dollar. And again, like this wasn't every dollar I had. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I mean, there's a difference, I think, between investing and giving. But for this, it just started me on this journey of, again, unlearning things that I've been taught and really bringing the Holy Spirit into the conversation and, and picking up new new ways of looking at things. You had worked for a major corporation. And then mm-hmm. in this journey, you mentioned just a moment ago, you moved into your own company about five months ago. Now, that was no small shift in your life. Explain what happened there, please. I was in my former role for six and a half years, but probably two, two and a half years in, I felt, I felt a stirring and I felt a shift of like, hey, there's something else. And there was this journey of what does it look like? Kicking the tires for a lot of things, passing up a ton of good opportunities where you know, I just didn't feel peace. Or I didn't feel released into it up until probably maybe nine months before I resigned. And actually it was just you know, connecting with some other people of faith. And we we're doing what we call like an encouraging word session where they just hear God's heart and kind of communicate that to you. And in that session, one of the people doing it, she had this word and said like, hey, I really feel like God's saying it's okay for you to resign. And then she said, I'm not telling you to leave your job. But in that moment of a four-year journey of like what's next, I felt released mm. for the first time. And it was really challenging because you're in this period of like, hey, God, what's next? I feel my heart being stirred, but, you know, I'm not able to step in. And one of the most helpful things I had during that process is someone helped me reframe it. And the voice it is like, sometimes you feel like God's holding you back, but I want you to, to relook at it and say, he's not holding you back. He's pulling you back. And so think of the analogy of a slingshot, like as that tension builds and mounts and it gets pulled back further, when you're released, you're able to fly farther, faster, and have a greater impact when you land. I love it. And so that reframing for me of God, you're pulling me back. Literally like five mm-hmm. months ago, I've released and stepped. But what I thought would take five years to build, God's done it in five months. Which is incredible. It's incredible. It's yeah. incredible. And I think it's been just being obedient along the way. Because, I mean, there's fear. I mean, even even a week before I resigned, like I waking up and just being very, very fearful. And like Holy Spirit took me back to that moment. I had that moment recorded. And I went back and listened to that word. And like I picked up something new from what they said. They didn't just say it's okay to resign. 
they said it's okay to take that piece of paper and resign. And there's only one path moving forward where I would have resigned with a written letter drafted by my attorney. And that for me was God just saying like, I'm with you. I've got this. I've been orchestrating this for over a year. You can step. And that for me was, was just saying like, okay, God, I'm trusting you. It looks very different than I planned, mm-hmm. but I'm feeling like you're calling me into this. And again, I've got four kids and my wife stays at home. So stepping into something unknown was very, very challenging. But having that just a confirmation of the Lord saying like, no, I'm with you in this mm-hmm. step. It's been awesome just to see what, what he's done through that. I love words like that that come at the right time. They're so incredible, life-changing, aren't they? Absolutely. You mentioned that as a result of this transition and identity and so on, that a whole bunch of other tools have opened up to you in your toolkit, so to speak, that you didn't heretofore, you weren't really recognizing. Please share what some of those were or are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, again, it comes back to identity. Who who am I as a son and what do I have access to? And so something just as practical as hearing his voice, you know, talks about that he's the good shepherd and we're his sheep and we know and follow his voice. And so Again, a lot of these have just been changing my default of things maybe I believed or put in practice before. And so coming from the place of like, it's easy to hear my dad's voice. Mm. It's easy. Anyone can do it. Let me pause on that, Nate. Many people listening to this would say, wow, easy to hear God's voice. That's not my experience. Mm-hmm. Explain what that experience has been for you and how that's worked. I know it's different for everybody, but what's been your experience? Yeah, well, I, I think... The realization of the, the truer self of us, that we are eternal beings having a physical reality here. And it's changed my default to like when I sense something, when I hear something, when I get an idea, my default starts from the place that this is probably God. I need to pay attention to it. Now, I still need to vet it, but starting from that default of that, my, my heavenly father is a good father. He's guiding my steps. He's constantly speaking to me, even even in the moment of having a thought. And a lot of times this will happen for me in church of worshiping and like these thoughts pop into my head for a long time. I'm like, oh, why are you thinking of this? Focus on God. And like, I had to retrain myself a lot of time. Like, Those are God thoughts. I need to capture them and, and grab them. And so, you know, it looks different for other people. God speaks to me a lot through circumstances um, or pictures, but it could be a thought. And it could be an idea. If you're sitting there in the presence of God, you have this random thing coming to your head. Like a lot of times, like he's communicating, he's speaking to you. So I think it's more just dialing that in. If you think of like a radio frequency, like with the old dial where you had to tune it just right for it to come through clearly. I think that's where most people are at. But for me, one of the just most practical things is like starting from the place that God is speaking to me. And when I sense something saying, this is probably God, I still need to vet it. I still need to get counsel. But once I come from that place, I don't rationalize away the voice of God like I used to. You've taken the paradigm and flipped it 180 degrees. Many of us have the thought, I have to work myself into a space where I can hear from God, Mm -hmm. where you're saying, no, my default as a child of God is I hear from God. Absolutely. You think about like anyone who's a parent can identify like your your heart for your kid. Like, again, if you're seeing them do, doing something like your default, it's like, hey, how can I help? How can I guide? How can I lead? And my kids are so young. And so I, I'm daily in that vein with them. So again, we understand as parents ourselves, how much truer is it with our heavenly father, you know, wanting, wanting us to flourish, wanting us to live lives that are full 
and yeah. that he's leading and guiding. And it talks about that if your son asks for you know, bread, you're not going to give him snake or, or, or stone. Like, man, it's it's in there in scripture. Like, God wants what's good for us. But I think a lot of times a practical part of it, we just get out of that place um, where we're able to walk in that. Well, I interrupted the tools that you were sharing and had to stop on hearing from God. What's What are some other tools? Yeah, just the belief that he's there again for for wisdom, for connection, for uh, strategy. Just, I guess what, what I've experienced is seeing a supernatural become normal kind of in my day-to-day life. And I feel like I saw that in some aspects. And a part of my testimony as a past, pastor's kid, my faith didn't become real to me until 15 where I saw a, a broken elbow be healed through prayer. And it wasn't even anything we prayed for, just God decided to do that. <laughs> and at that moment, I knew, okay, this is why it wasn't because I was raising this, but my faith became my own. And so I had seen kind of some of those, those areas of God just breaking in in my life, but Mm -hmm. I'd never really seen it in my job. And so part of that toolbox is just understanding like that God wants to be involved with every part of our day. Like specifically for people that are in the marketplace, man, that's a big chunk of your week. And so being able to encounter him. On every aspect of that. And uh, we've, we've seen, I've actually got two business partners where strategy or the actual business plan has come as a result of the train. Oh, really? You know, literally being woken up and, and, and writing business plan multiple nights in a row or getting an idea that they then explore. And so I guess another tool is just realizing like the supernatural is available. We've got other friends here locally where and again, this is just like not even asking for you. This, this is just God to decide and say like, hey, here's how I'm going to walk it out. And we took a team into a local business, actually, that's a laundromat. And just our heart was like, God, like we want this business to flourish. We want it to thrive. Like just our heart was to bless that business. And we just you know, go in there and just hear God's heart and kind of pour out what we sense for that business. There's no agenda outside of that. And we got a testimony a couple months later, you know, they're a laundromat. And so they have lots of change that comes in. They count it. They take the deposits to the bank. And part of their, you know, their default is like, hey, we'll count it three or four times and make sure we have all the domination, quarters, dollars, oh. dimes, and nickels. And they sent us this testimony and said, Nay, like we counted this three or four times. We drove to the bank. And when we showed up, there was a $1,000 more than <laughs> what we left with. And so again, it just shattered every box around like, what could this look like when you just invite God to be part of it? And he decides to do what he decided to do. Again, we didn't pray for that. We didn't ask for that. God just decided to say like, hey, yeah, there's one way I'm going to I'm gonna show up. So I don't know, just, just realizing like I've got access and everyone has access to that. I mean, every realm of their life, it's been, it's been powerful. You mentioned that your business that you started five months ago, you are where you are now, where you thought you'd be in five years. What are some of the things that happened that have catapulted the business <laughs> that far ahead? Yeah, estimated Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I guess one of the practical things I'll say around it is, again, my default, my, my background in, in this industry is in kind of a sales capacity. And so you know, the default of like more is better and it's all about repetition. And so actually when I resigned, it went about as poorly as, as you could have planned. I've got legal kind of ramifications and I can do things in a certain order. And so actually when I went to resign, it took a long time for my actual license to shift over, which meant I could not let anyone know what was going on. And so that was a pause. And I remember I was like, okay, well, Lord, you're in control of this and you've got this. And so that was something where I couldn't rely on my own strength. And then actually I had some friends come into town over the weekend to help me with uh, 
conference I was putting on around faith and work. And so I'm like, I want to honor the fact they're here. And so I don't want to be doing work stuff around this transition. And so that was about the next three or four days. And then I actually got COVID as a result of the event. And so I was out of commission for the next two weeks. And then we left town, had a family vacation. Uh, and so I was like, man, there's Lord, there's all these things that I can't control. Like I can't do it. And my default was like, okay, well, you've had all these things go against you. Like you got to make up for it by, by going harder and grinding more. Yeah. And I just felt like that's not the journey that God has me on. And so it's been just doing it from a place of rest. And so Again, one of the practical things is like, if I'm striving, I'm probably forcing it. And so again, looking at where is their ease, where is their favor, pursuing that. I mean, I'm working hard, but it's from a place of rest. And like, I've been even journeying around. What does that look like? Because those two seem to be at odds a lot of time. But even the week leading up to it, I had a major pivot around what my day-to-day was going to look like as far as what I was going to do. And there was just easing that conversation around partnership. I'm like, hey, this initially was going to be 25% of my time. What if we looked at it and instead of it being 25% of my time, it's 80% of my time. And the conversation from the other party is like, yep, absolutely. That makes sense. And so it's just been paying attention to where there's ease, doing it from a place of arrest. Honoring family has been a big part of this for me as well. And again, even that vacation that we had on the books, like I looked at it initially as like, okay, well, it's going to be three to four weeks out. Like I should be up to speed. And again, like that didn't happen. But the fact of saying like, Lord, no, my family is important. Let me honor that. And I think God has really, really rewarded that. The not grinding, you know, obviously mm-hmm. that's a uh, Shea Bynes mantra, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. who I just think yep. is incredible. And I know you do too. And what would you tell somebody who's in that place in life where they know they're grinding, but they know also deep down there's a place of rest that's being Mm -hmm. offered to them. How do they make that transition? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean, I I think it goes to to just ask the Holy Spirit, how do they walk that out? I mean, everyone's going to be in a different different season, how they do it. So I look at practical steps and one of the things that that has really resonated with me as a financial planner is like a lot of times I'll have clients and like, I'll see where I want to get them. And there's this massive process as far as getting there because it's getting their buy-in. And one of the things that I had is my litmus test is if I could even have them step one step in the right direction, we'll continue to work together. And so I would say that for people, like there's ultimately where you want to get to from a place of rest, but as Holy Spirit, I would say just take one practical step to start to walk in that and continue to walk in that. I think that's a really good starting point as far as kind of reframing and repositioning. Something occurred to me as you were sharing that, and that is who or what are you listening to? And I'm curious, what has shifted with respect to the way you observe and listen in your life over the past few years? Yeah, um, I think it's so much of paying attention and creating space and it doesn't have to look like, hey, it's three hours in the morning. I mean, again, I've got my hands in multiple businesses. I've got four kids. I'm married. And we're very involved with our local church. I work with entrepreneurs. So sometimes it's creating space for two minutes. Sometimes it's 15 minutes. Sometimes it's longer. But I would just say like creating practical spaces in there. Another thing that's been so powerful as far as how they do that is just one of the ways a lot of times before a meeting, I'll just ask the Holy Spirit like, what is your heart for this person? And it's amazing to to see and to get downloads and just be able to encourage and bless people with that. And I would just encourage people to like in a business context, there's a way to do that. That's not weird. 
And so if you've ever seen it where it's weird, it doesn't have to be. And that's been part of my journey. And so instead of saying like, hey, God told me this, there's someone I'm working with and they don't have a faith context. You could say something like, hey, you know, I was just thinking about you before you came in. And I had this thought pop into my head. Doesn't mean anything to you. Or if you look at the gift of prophecy, it's, it's for exhortation, encouragement, building people up. Like people are hungry for that. And so again, if that's a lens, like God, show me your heart for this person. Help me to encourage them. You can't go wrong communicating that to people because we're in such a space where people are so hungry for that, specifically in the work context, because there's nowhere in their life where people get that. So true. What final thought would you like to leave with our listeners before you pray for us? Yeah, I would just say, have your default be faith and just stepping into what God's downloaded to you. And again, this is a journey that I'm working out right now because part of what I'm doing with my firm and the ideas I have, it's not been done this way before. And so, so much of me is like, okay, what does that look like? How do I plan? But again, talking recently with Andy Mason, they just brought me back to Hebrews eleven six, and the fact that faith pleases God. And so with all these ideas, with all these business things, my default should be stepping into that and realizing if I get off track, he's going to correct me or he's going to shut a door if I'm not supposed to walk in that path. And so I just encourage everyone to to step. I mean, if there's ideas, if there's dreams, if there's plans that you have, again, take a practical step for that. I mean, it's not quitting a job tomorrow, but if you've got an idea, take the step of faith to research and start having conversations around that. And so, yeah, that would just be my encouragement is to is to take action. We serve a big God. I just feel like for so long, myself and I've seen with others, we're just living too small around that. So I just encourage you to take a practical step and whatever that looks. How can people get in touch with you, Nate, and find out more about what you're doing? You can find me on LinkedIn, Nate Goad. I'm also, if you Google my name, the firm I'm with is uh, Sparta Wealth Partners as well. So there's some information there. I'm not super good on social media, but LinkedIn, I'm pretty good on. So I would say anyone connect with me there. I love connecting with other entrepreneurs that are on the journey. And so it's been really good over the last three years to, to just connect with other people from all over the world. And part of my heart for others is I just want to encourage others that they can live in this fullness. You know, work, building businesses can be so full of joy, so fun, so fulfilling. For so long, my default was like, hey, I want to make a lot of money so I can do what I want to do. And God just reshifted it to me to say like, in the in the beginning, like work was part of tending the garden and it looked differently, but like it's part of his design. And so it's just been so amazing in my own life to come alive in that mm. and realize what that looks like and just find joy and fulfillment. And so my heart is for others as well. And so if I can play any practical role for anyone, please don't, uh, please don't hesitate to, to reach out. Awesome. Well, as we finish up here, we'd love to have you pray for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Holy Spirit, just thank you for who you are, God. I just thank you for every person who's listening to this call, God. And I just thank you that you've, you've planned this, that you've uh, allowed words to come out, that you've stirred hearts. And so I just pray specifically for those from this time that feel stirred that they would get into action, Father, that they would just realize that they're sitting in your lap, you're in control, you've got everything taken care of, and that they would focus on the fact that you're with them, not on any circumstances that are outside. And I also just pray for people to be in tune to your voice and how you're speaking to them. Even today, that people would would hear your voice or recognize your voice in ways that they haven't before, Father. So just thank you for who you are, God. Thank you that you're a Amazing God who loves us, Father, wants us to live full lives, God. And I just pray for 
got more of you just in every entrepreneur and business leader and business person that's listening to this. God, just thank you for Brian and God, him just gathering a tribe around this and just pray for your continued blessing around everything he does with this. And I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate. Loved your story. Appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.